1: Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast.
2: It is Greeny on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and you can always tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm Michelle Smallman. He's Chris Canty. And Canty, we talked about it yesterday, but this Jonathan Taylor Indianapolis Colts situation is getting more and more dysfunctional by the day. Colts GM Chris Ballard spoke about the situation with Jonathan Taylor yesterday, and here's what he had to say.
3: The running back market is what it is, but you pay, I've said this all along, Quentin Nelson didn't have a problem playing a guard a lot of money, which other people don't either. When guys are having great seasons and great, have a chance to really help your football team, absolutely. The running market is what it is, but look, great players are what they are too. In
0: that case, JT, a great player, why not pay him? We
3: won four games last year. We won four games.
2: There's a lot to unpack here. A lot to unpack here. What's your What's your initial reaction to Chris Ballard's comments about the Jonathan Taylor situation?
1: My read is when they asked him why didn't he pay Jonathan Taylor, he had to default to them <laughs> winning four games because he couldn't answer the question honestly uh-huh. and with candor. The, the reality is that Chris Ballard, if it was up to him, from what it sounds like, he would have paid Jonathan Taylor already. He would have done it. But you know why he can't pay him? Because it's not really his money. It's Jim Ursay's money. And Jim Ursay has said publicly that we ain't paying running backs. And it's not as if he's just said that over the last five or six months. Jim Urshay been saying that since he's in charge of the team. Remember, this was the franchise that once upon a time drafted Marshall Falk, and they traded him because they didn't want to give him a second contract. And they drafted Edron James, franchise tagged him, let him go because they drafted another running back, and so on and so forth. That's what they do. This is who the Indianapolis Colts are when it comes to the running back spot. But we can't begrudge Jonathan Taylor for seeing around the curve and demanding that the team pay him his true value because he understands that this is his last best chance to get a bag of money before he's out of the prime of his career. So I, I think both sides have their positions and they seem to be dug in. I just don't know how they walk this back smallman and they can potentially repair this relationship. They didn't trade him. Taylor's going to start the season on PUP, which means he misses the first four games of the year. It's going to be really interesting to see how the Colts handle it once that time is up.
2: And this might be the blueprint for how the Colts handle situations like this, Canty. but this is a unique set, set of circumstances. It is not Peyton Manning under center. It is not Andrew Luck under center. You have a rookie quarterback who lacks a lot of experience. Why wouldn't you have the... Uh, an important player like Jonathan Taylor out on the field, out in that offense, helping Anthony Richardson. That is the part of this that I can't wrap my head around.
1: Yeah, it doesn't make sense because a running back, a guy that can dictate front and coverage, takes a lot of pressure off of a young quarterback. And from a cerebral standpoint, it, it creates less thinking for the quarterback. When Anthony Richardson goes to the line of scrimmage, if he's got Jonathan Taylor in the backfield, guess what he knows? that it's most likely going to be single high coverage because you've got to have eight defenders in the box to slow down Jonathan Taylor. That means one-on-one situations on the outside. And I think that's the advantage of having somebody as dynamic as Anthony Richardson out on the field. The only problem with that is Anthony Richardson ain't I mean, the only problem with that is Anthony Richardson is not going to have Jonathan Taylor on the field. If the Colts don't pay Jonathan Taylor, Mm -hmm. Jonathan Taylor is not going to play for them. He has a legitimate injury. That's football related that he had to have all season surgery for. And that's why he started training camp on PUP and continues to be on that list. He is not going to play. He is going to continue to nurse that injury until the Colts give him fair value or trade him. That's the reality of it. So, No matter what happens from henceforth, Jonathan Taylor is going to get what he wants. It's just a matter of the Colts being able to make the most of the situation.
2: Is Jonathan Taylor even going to be on the Colts at all this season? Let's hear from their GM again, Chris Ballard.
1: I sure hope so. That's the way
3: I look at it. I think he's a really good player. I think he's a great kid, great for the community. That would be the plan I'm not going to get into hypotheticals of yay or nay, but I don't want the indication that we don't want Jonathan Taylor. That is not true. I've never once even made that statement. I don't think it stunts his growth. No, not at all. I don't know. Did it stunt Andrew's growth without a special back?
2: That second part of it, Canty, he was talking about Anthony Richardson's growth, and he called back Andrew Luck. Let's not forget that Andrew Luck retired after seven seasons. You said yesterday that it, the career was knocked out of him. So, yeah, I would say some of the decisions that the Colts made did stunt Andrew, Andrew Luck's growth moving forward.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why I had the Colts on one of my worst managed NFL franchises uh, right now, currently as we speak. Like, the, the Colts have been able to mask a lot of ills because of having guys like Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck. And this dysfunction has kind of been bubbling behind the scenes and now it's coming to the forefront because they've had some instability at the most important position in all the team sports, which is their quarterback. And now when you draft a guy with a top five pick at that spot and you're trying to develop him, you want to have as many things to support him as you possibly can. And letting this Jonathan Taylor relationship devolve in such a public matter, it it, it flies in the face of the long-term goals of the franchise, which should be to, to help your young quarterback realize his full potential.
2: He's Chris Canty. I'm Michelle Smallman. It's Greeny, and it's presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your Motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Canty, there are some NFL franchises that just can't really get the quarterback position right. Uh, I'm looking at Denver. Up until this season, the Jets are in the mix. There's a lot of franchises that we could throw on that list. But how about the Colts? They need Anthony Richardson to work out. From 1998 to 2010, Peyton Manning was the only player to start at quarterback in Indianapolis. From 2011 until right now, 15 players, including Anthony Richardson, have started at quarterback for the Colts. Here's the list. Week one starting quarterbacks for the Colts since 2017. Uh, We have Scott Tolzien, Andrew Luck, Jacoby Brissett, Phillip Rivers, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, and now Anthony Richardson. They need to do everything in their power to make sure that this, this quarterback develops correctly that he's protected and that he has weapons around him in order to succeed they cannot fumble this one
1: Smallman. when you read off that list you know what it's starting to sound like what the cleveland browns had to deal with in the 2000s and the early 2010s at quarterback that's what it started to sound like remember the cleveland browns jersey where they had a list of 20 so odd quarterbacks and they just kept striking through <laughs> names of yep. guys that were supposed to be the face of the franchise going all all the way back to Tim uh, Tim Couch. Like, that's what it's starting to feel like with the Indianapolis Colts in in the post Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck era of Colts football. Mm -hmm. And so you want to make sure that you don't turn into the Browns by getting stability at the quarterback spot. Well, guess what? Jonathan Taylor helps you do that. So what the rest of the league isn't paying running backs? That doesn't matter. Your goal should be to make sure that you do everything in your power to make Anthony Richardson the best player he can be. That guy is going to be a quarter of a billion-dollar investment that you're going to make if you hit on him. Who cares that you're paying Jonathan Taylor $13 million a year for three or four seasons? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That, that, that's the part that I don't get with Jim Irsay. He's picking his hill to die on. Yeah and he's making it an adversarial relationship when Jonathan Taylor is the kind of guy you want to hold up within your organization because not only is he productive, but he does all the right things and he says all the right things. Not to mention you establish a precedent that if we draft you and you perform, that we will pay you. Think about this. They paid Quentin Nelson with a year left on his rookie deal. They paid Shaq Leonard with a year left on his rookie deal. What's wrong with paying Jonathan Taylor? There's absolutely nothing wrong with it because you recognize the impact that it can have on your young quarterback. And the thing that Jim Ursay seems to miss, and for the life of me, I can't understand this, the most valuable commodity you have in the National Football League is a starting quarterback on a rookie deal. Mm-hmm. And most teams try to take advantage of that in, winning in the first, like getting to the championship rounds in the first three or four seasons of a young quarterback's career because they know they got him on the cheap. Why would you not want to do that, try to do that by locking up Jonathan Taylor over the next three or four years and giving yourself a chance to make a run during that time span? It just doesn't make sense how Jim Ursay is operating, and, and, and that's why it, it's hard to believe in anything that the culture is trying to do right now because the general manager clearly has his hands tied by the owner
2: and and that 's another part of this canty i don 't envy Chris Ballard at all if he wants to get this deal done, and Jim Ursay is not opening up the checkbook. Can you imagine being put in that position? Your job is predicated on success, but you're not allowed to do the job in the manner in which you want because the owner isn't going to pay certain players. As you said, this is the hill that he's going to die on. If Anthony Richardson doesn't work out, if the Colts don't have success, Chris Ballard's going to get fired. And it, it's a really tough spot for him to be in when he can't make the moves that he might need to or want to because of ownership.
1: Yeah, but he's sending out smoke signals, though, and letting everybody <laughs> know that it's not his choice. All you got to do is read between the lines of what he's saying <laughs> about the Jonathan Taylor situation. You pay good players and he repeated himself. You pay good players. <laughs> he, he wants Jonathan Taylor is an all pro like over the last two years of football, there's only one person that has more 10 yard runs than Jonathan Taylor. And that's Nick Chubb. Who's another all pro. There's only one person that has more yards after contact. He's top five in yards from scrimmage. Like th- this dude is special. And he would make life so much easier for Anthony Richardson. But the reason why he's not on the field is not because of the general manager or the new head coach. It's because of the owner. And that's the other part of this that we haven't talked about. How difficult are you making this for Shane Steichen? This is Mm. a first-year head coach. Great point. There's a lot of new learning that comes along with being the guy. And you're going to make it that much harder by trying to manage the Jonathan Taylor situation. And you got – Fifty three other guys in that locker room because Taylor's on pup. You got fifty three other guys in that locker room that are looking at you and saying, "Coach, what the hell are we doing? Are we trying to win games? Or are we trying to prove a point about the running back market? I, it just it doesn't make sense. It doesn't, and that's what Chris Ballard is letting it be known like he does not agree with what's going on. But ultimately, there's nothing about it he can't do. He can do because the owner is saying to him that you can't pay this running back what he's looking for.
2: He also said, quote, I've never said that I didn't want Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> so he's
1: making it. Was, exactly. Just read in between the lines. <laughs> Just read in between the lines. I don't even it's think not, we need to read not in between me. them. It's Jim Irsay. <laughs> so when I, so if, and when I get fired, this should not be held against me because it was not my decision. I
2: never said I didn't want Jonathan Taylor. We hear you, Chris Ballard. We hear you. He's Chris Canty. I'm Michelle Smallman. Greeny is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Coming up next, Jonathan Taylor, he doesn't have a new deal, and neither do two of the other best players in the NFL. We'll discuss it. Keep it here on Greeny, ESPN Radio, and the ESPN app.
1: Greenie, the podcast.
2: It's Greeny, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. You can follow ESPN Radio on Twitter at ESPN Radio. I'm at M Smallman and Chris Canty is at Chris Canty 99. And while you're there, you might want to follow Nebraska Volleyball as well at Husker VB because they just set a record, Canty. We've got to shout out the Huskers volleyball team. They set a women's sporting event record. It was volleyball day for Nebraska. 92,003 fans filled Memorial Stadium last night to watch the Mm. five-time NCAA champion Nebraskan Huskers volleyball team Take on Omaha, the previous biggest crowd to see an NCAA volleyball match, 18,755. And that was for an NCAA championship match between Nebraska and Wisconsin back in December of 2021. If you have seen the visuals of this, it was an unbelievable scene. 92,003 fans to check out the Nebraska women's volleyball team. It was unreal, Canty.
1: That's awesome. First of all, the fact that we have an opportunity to talk about the five-time NCAA (laughs) champion Nebraska Cornhusker volleyball team. Like, that is pretty cool. And the fact that the folks out there in the great state of Nebraska recognize game, that they showed up and showed out in such a big way to obliterate that record— that's just That's just awesome to see and that's one of the reasons why we love sports
2: absolutely and in reading some of the quotes from the players, they were trying to stay locked in to the to the game to the match that they had coming up, but then they're hearing the the noise from the crowd they're hearing that they just broke the record a really, really special scene at Nebraska and it was a paying crowd too Canty, so they they got a big check uh. Nebraska oh, no did from those no people, doubt. but there's two I players. Mean, can we
1: get some NIL popping off? And the I mean, I've... We won five NCAA championships. That's in a right. Can we get some, can we get some money popping off? NIL let's go
2: let's go let's go those ladies certainly deserve it well two players in the NFL that are looking for more money Chris Jones of the Chiefs and Nick Bosa of the 49ers they are still without new deals now we know that Chris Jones he wants 30 plus million dollars he wants that Aaron Donald type of money but we were talking before the show and I know you think that Nick Bosa should probably be trying to angle for something in that category as well right
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you're Nicky Bosa, you're not just looking at what T.J. Watt got, which is the top edge player contract. I mean, T.J. Watt got a good deal, $28 million a year. He ain't hurting for no money and $80 million fully guaranteed upon signing. But if you're Nick Bosa, you're 25 years old and you just won defensive player of the year and you led the NFL in sacks with 18 and a half last year. Why would you not try to get closer to what Aaron Donald is getting, which is $31.67 million a year? And let's keep in mind, Aaron Donald signed that contract a couple of years ago right after they won the Super Bowl. So, like, if you're Nikki Bosa, understanding the economics of the business, understanding how the salary cap jumped $16 million this year alone, why would you not want what Aaron Donald is getting? Why would you not want $32 million a year? Why would you not want more than T.J. Watts fully guaranteed $80 million upon signing? I know I would. I know that's what I would be pushing for. And that's probably why this deal is coming up to the eve of the regular season, why it's taking so long to get this done. Because there's such a gap between what Nikki Bosa is presumably asking for, which is to be the highest paid defender in all of football, and what the highest paid guy in his position is making right now. I mean, think about it. If you're asking for $32 million a year and T.J. Watt is making $28 million a year, that's a $4 million per year gap. Mm-hmm. It's it's going to be hard for not only the GM but the owner to digest that type of 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 of, of you know, contract and really be able to really be able to, to uh, justify that kind of pay that kind of pay jump at the position group. So I just think that that's what's holding it up. But if you're Kyle Shanahan, you got to go to the ownership. You got to go to John Lynch and say we got to get this guy in here because we don't need to start our regular season without Nicky Bosa.
2: So, Kyle Shanahan, 49ers head coach, and their GM, John Lynch Canty, they said that Bosa, he's going to sign that lucrative contract extension. There's no scenario in which they would trade Bosa. But why isn't the deal done yet? Here is Kyle Shanahan.
4: I thought it would come probably to this time, just looking at the history of those things, and I'm really hoping it gets done. I know they're working tirelessly at it, John, Hamp, Prague. I know their, their team is, and hopefully we can get him in here sooner than later. Is there any way you can imagine this team not having him on the team, saying if this thing goes on into the of season? Regular season? Uh, yeah, you, I can imagine anything. Doesn't mean I like that picture. Of course not, you guys know how we feel about Nick, and we all know how good of a player he is, so hopefully we can come to terms soon and um, get him here as fast as possible. Uh, enough from other edge rushers for now to, to be confident that you could be held over just in case the worst does come to fruition for week one. You got to feel that way always. I mean, Nick missed one game last year. You know, he had that ACL that one year, so you got to always be prepared to play without not just Nick or anybody, but hopefully that doesn't happen.
3: There's no way that you guys would consider trading
1: Nick?
4: No. I haven't talked to many people about that, but I know how I feel pretty strongly. I think everyone would agree with that.
1: No, well, period. I mean, call, yeah, Kyle Shanahan has final say over the overall roster, so if he said they ain't trading Nicky Bosa, they ain't trading Nicky Bosa. But here's the thing. A player, his, be- his his way of exerting leverage on a franchise is withholding services. So it doesn't really matter that Nicky Bosa set out training camp or preseason games. What matters is if he sits out regular season games. Now, here's what makes Bosa's situation different from Chris Jones. Because Bosa is still on his rookie deal – The team can forgive the fines if they so choose when they sign them to a contract extension. So if you're Bosa outside of losing, you know, whatever game checks that will be attached to your $18 million salary this year, you don't lose anything. You're you're really not losing anything by sitting out, but the team is losing the ability to have you on the field and affect the impact of each and every game every single week. And so I, I just, I think that's, what could make this an interesting situation if San Francisco gets out to a little bit of a slow start, if that defense is not quite what it's been in years past, if Brock Purdy's UCL doesn't allow him to be as productive as we saw in the last eight or nine games of the season, then all of a sudden more leverage comes over to Joey uh, to Nikki Bosa and he's able to get closer to what he's looking for in a brand-new contract extension.
2: So we know how valuable Chris Jones is to the Chiefs. We know how valuable Nick Bosa is to the 49ers. Both teams, obviously, in in contention to win a Super Bowl this season. But which team do you think can survive, Canty, without their star player the longest, if both of these are extended for each of these players?
1: Oh, I'm going to say the Kansas City Chiefs because they have Pat Mahomes and Andy Mm -hmm. Reid, right? Right. I mean, they've hosted the AFC Championship game every single year since Pat Mahomes has been the starter. And Andy Reid has won 100-plus games with two different NFL franchises. So, I mean, they, they got the Super Bowl titles. They're coming off of a championship. If you win one, you know how to do it. And the fact that the Chiefs have had this kind of success over the last five years, they know what it takes to win a title. Now, I will say this. They don't have anybody outside of Chris Jones that keeps offensive coordinators up at night. They don't have anybody but Chris. So you need Chris Jones to be a game record. He is a force multiplier because he makes the game so much easier for everybody else. You have to double-team Chris Jones, which means one-on-one rush opportunities for everybody else across that defensive front. And they just invested a first-round pick in the defensive end. They invested a first-round pick in the defensive end last year in George Karloftis. So you want those guys to grow into guys that can rush the passer consistently and effectively. Without Chris Jones, you don't get that this season. And so I think they understand the value of pass rush by the nature of how they've drafted the last couple of years, and they'll get this deal done. But what I'll say is this, Chris Jones is dug in. Like, Chris Jones is serious about getting his money. If you're asking me which of the two situations is more dire, Nikki Bosa or Chris Jones, it's by far and away Chris Jones. You know why? Because Chris Jones knows the Kansas City Chiefs can't forgive the fines. He's racked up $2 million in fines during training camp in the preseason. And you're considering if he holds out till week eight, like he says he would on social media, another $7.5 million in missed game checks. That guy is serious about getting his money. And he's not going to show up until the Kansas City Chiefs make it right. So if I was a Chiefs fan today, I'd be a lot more nervous about an extended holdout with Chris Jones than I would be if I was a Niners fan and Nicky Bosa.
2: Ooh. Those fines are racking up. He is Chris that's Canty. a lot of, money. That's, that's a a lot lot of money. money. that's a lot of money. A lot of money. <laughs> a lot of money. He's, he's uh, braver than I am, Canty. We'll put it I don't way. <laughs> care how much money you got.
1: When you rack up $2 million Ooh, in fines, that's a lot of money. That, I don't care how much money you got.
2: That is a lot. He's Chris Canty. I'm Michelle Smallman. It's Greeny coming to you live from the Seaport, and it's brought to you by Patrone. Perfection starts with Patron. Coming up next, we have a story from the playing days of Chris Canty that you have to hear to believe. We're going to share it with you next. It's Greeny, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
1: Greeny, the podcast.
2: He is Chris Candy. I'm Michelle Smallman, and we're filling in for Greeny today. ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, series XM Channel 80. Let's continue our football conversation with Bill Barnwell, the Bill Barnwell Show podcast, and our ESPN NFL writer. Be sure to follow him on social media, at Bill Barnwell. And Bill, uh, first thing, we have some breaking news from Adam Schefter, Minnesota, the Vikings, and TJ Hawkinson are finalizing a new deal deal that will make him one of the NFL's highest-paid tight ends. This is per Jeremy Fowler and Adam Schefter. Hawkinson had been on a hold in during training camp, and now he can gear up for the regular season opener versus Tampa Bay. So coming off of that news, Bill, let's talk about the Vikings. Are we selling them short in the NFC North?
0: Probably, you know, I think we all sort of expect them to take a step backwards. I don't think anybody believes, you know, not even the Vikings believe frankly that they're going to go 9 and 0 in games decided by 7 points or less last, uh, this year the way they did a year ago. But remember, they were four games ahead of everybody else in the NFC North last year. They could take a step backwards and still be the most successful team in that division. So uh, the Lions, obviously, I think a lot of people expect them to improve, and they have reasons to be optimistic. The Packers, we don't really know what Jordan Love is yet. They could be a great team if Jordan Love's fantastic, or they could really struggle if Jordan Love's not 100%. The Bears should get better, but they were 10 games behind the Vikings last year. So, you know, I, I think we're all sort of expecting that to be, you know, sort of a slugfest, but the Vikings should probably still be considered the favorite.
1: Bill, with an eye toward the Indianapolis Colts, twenty of the last twenty-five seasons they've had either Peyton Manning or Andrew Luck under center. Have those two quarterbacks massed dysfunction in in organizational ridiculousness behind the scenes? That, and we're just now starting <laughs> to pay attention to it because it feels like with this Jonathan Taylor situation, this is a grave misstep by ownership.
0: It certainly feels that way um, with, with Jimmy Irsay getting involved, and you could tell from Chris Ballard. You know, press conference last night. It wasn't as if Chris Ballard was saying we got to trade this guy. It felt like, you know, he he was trying to rebuild the relationship independent of his owner. Uh, what I will say though, Chris is, you know, I think masking is a good word. You know, it wasn't like Jim Erste was having this kind of role or this input or, you know, making these sort of comments really during the Andrew Luck. And Peyton Manning era, a little bit during the Andrew Luck era, as Twitter came around, um, you know, we saw him announcing the trade for Trent Richardson before it was announced by the league. Uh, you know, and I think realistically, it's not a healthy thing. Ownership is typically not going to make your organization better. But the reality is, you know, go around the NFL, most teams deal with this one way or another. Ownership says, "Hey, we got to get rid of this guy. We want to draft this player. We want to trade for this guy. Make it happen." We just don't see it quite as publicly. So I think this is maybe one of the worst examples of ownership getting involved, but not really surprising, not just for the Colts, but also around the NFL as well.
2: Our ESPN senior NFL writer, Bill Barnwell, joining us here on Greeny. And there's quarterback drama in Indianapolis, Bill. We had some with San Francisco Mm -hmm. as well. Which team in the NFL has mishandled their quarterback situations the worst in recent memory?
0: Oh, wow. Um, Maybe the Browns. You know, just thinking about how how they they dealt with the Baker Mayfield situation, then you basically hand Sean Watson a blank check um, to come play for you. Sean Watson comes over last year. The offense was very good last year with Jacoby Brissett. I think they were ninth in the NFL on offense before Sean Watson comes in, and Sean Watson was bad. And now... You're the Browns. This is a make or break year for Kevin Stefanski for Andrew Berry for that that regime. You would figure, and we don't know what Deshaun Watson's going to be. Does he fit into this offense? Does he want to fit into this offense? Does he want to bring in his own people to run, you know, to run the organization? Because at the end of the day, this is a guy making forty-six million dollars a year guaranteed. I don't fault him for taking the money he was offered or that the check he was offered to get this done, but you know they're really. Sort of desperate, they have no hope but figuring out or hoping that Deshaun Watson is not the guy we saw last year because they're locked in for four more seasons to come.
1: Bill, we've seen that the hold in has become the preferred method of trying to get your money for a lot of NFL players, but we still have two Mm -hmm. high profile holdouts in Chris Jones and Nick Bosa. Which of those two holdouts are you most concerned with going into the regular season?
0: Chris Jones, for sure. Mm -hmm. Think about you know Chris. Think about how how. These two these two sides have talked about these holdouts, or these hold-ins, I should say. Sorry, or holdouts. Um, for the Niners, it's always been like, yeah, we're going to get this done. We'll just have to kind of get closer to the season, but we'll figure it out. For the Chiefs, everything you hear is like, Chris Jones is sitting to leak, Chris Jones is taking time off. Chris Jones is, you know, I think we're going to see Chris Jones tweeting that he's in Bali uh, during the, the Chiefs-Lions game next Thursday, because he's going to take time off until he gets the deal he wants. And by all accounts, everything we've heard is that he's asking for Aaron Donald, or even more than Aaron Donald, caliber money to get this this deal done. But he is such an impactful player for them. And I think that's the big difference is for the Niners, let's say Nick Bosa doesn't play. That's a major loss to the Niners. But they still have Javon Hargrave. They still have Chris Kosser, who's that great defensive line coach. They, they have the ability to generate pressure with their rotation. But, jeez, they don't have a Chris Jones replacement. They don't have a great pass rusher you know, in in that front floor right now, they might get, you know, guys like George Karloff to step up and play better in his second season or maybe get more pass pressure in his second season. You know, I think they'll be okay and they can win the game with their offense, but it it doesn't feel like they have that 1A the way the Niners do after signing Javon Hargrave. So I think the Chiefs are more desperate to get this done than the Niners are.
2: Another new deal that is getting ready to get done, Bill, or hopefully will be done soon, is Joe Burrow. Are you surprised he doesn't have Mm -hmm. a new deal yet? What do you think is standing in the way of this?
0: You know, it it could just be little minor things here and there. You know, I I think once the Jalen Hurts and Justin Herbert contracts got done, it really makes the market clear for Joe Burrow. He's going to get those contracts with a little bit more money sprinkled on top for being the last one and being patient, which is, uh, you know, smart on – for him smart for his agent um but there's no there's no stress here about getting this deal done Joe Burrow is going to get paid I think both sides have a general idea at least down to a million dollars here or there or two million dollars here or there about what it's going to cost over five years I think it's just about the guarantee structure about um you know about about sort of the overall value Uh, wouldn't be surprised if it got done in the next couple days and if not early in the season like this is not going to be a a arduous negotiation to get done for the Bengals and Joe Burrow
1: Talking with ESPN NFL writer, Bill Barnwell, also the host of the Bill Barnwell Show podcast and one of the foremost authorities at ESPN when it comes to advanced football analytics. And Bill, today we're unveiling my bold predictions, my top five bold predictions for the 2023 season. And I wanted to run them past you before we get to yours. I want to know which one are you on board with and which one are you adamantly opposed to. So my top five bold predictions for 2023. The Commanders make the playoffs. The Seahawks win their division. The Jags get to the conference championship game. Bill Belichick's last season coaching in New England and the Dallas Cowboys missing the playoffs. Bill, what say you? Oh, man, those are good (laughs) ones. You know what? People sometimes say they have bold predictions and they're not that bold. Chris,
0: I give you credit. Those are some bold predictions. I will give you one I like and one I dislike. The one I like is the Seattle Seahawks' winning the nfc Ooh. west i love what they did on defense this year you bring it up on witherspoon to help out as a secondary the top five pick um they have of course plenty of pieces on offense i know jackson smith and Jigba did injure his wrist but looks like he's practicing which is kind of crazy to me for a wide receiver looks like he's going to be back sooner rather than later they have so many pieces on the offensive side of the ball the offensive line is better than people give them credit for if they can get jamal iders back for a full season very optimistic that they can compete with the miners in the NFC West. But one I don't agree with, Bill Belichick's final season in New England. Mm-hmm. Tell me on this one, Chris. What, what's going to happen to lead to this being Bill Belichick's final season?
1: I think they're going to transition him to a strictly front office role. We know that he's the general manager, but I think they're going to look at this as an opportunity to get to a new voice. He's in his early seventies. We don't see a lot of coaches coach beyond that. I think Marv Levy was one of the mm-hmm. oldest coaches. I get Pete Carroll is, is older than Belichick but it feels like Belichick in terms of relating to his players might be a little more old school as opposed to Pete. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other thing that really, really drives this one home for me is what Robert Kraft has been saying all offseason long. We don't allow players to chase individual accolades, and while it would be nice for Belichick to break Don Shuler's win record, that's not necessarily mm-hmm. a guarantee or not necessarily an organizational goal. So it just feels like – The owner is greasing the skids and setting this thing up to move on from Belichick as the head coach if they fall flat this season.
0: That's fair. I mean, not out of the question. They have possible replacements there. Gerard Mayo has been rumored as a head coaching coaching candidate in other places. Looks like he's a very promising young coach. Uh, And Bill O'Brien's there now as the offensive coordinator. He has experience coaching at Penn State and coaching the Houston Texans famously as well. So they have coaches in wait. I just, I'm optimistic about the Patriots this year. I Mm -hmm. I think they're going to be better than people expect. I think everyone's writing them off as the worst team in the AFC East, and maybe they will be in the long run they have the worst quarterback in the AFC East, and Mac Jones, but I do think Bill O'Brien's gonna really improve that offense. I think it's gonna look a lot better. And Bill Belichick, I mean, you know, of course Gerard Mayo is playing a big role there as well, but Bill Belichick is still coach defense. I mean every year it feels like, you know, they have players step up and, and continue to impress who they've drafted and developed, Cal Dugger um being one of the more recent examples. So, you know, I think they have a I think they're gonna be a playoff contender. I don't know if they're gonna make it, but I think they're gonna be like a nine and eight 10-7 and, uh, 10 and 7 playoff team, you know, playoff caliber team at least, in the AFC East. So I, I still think Belichick's got a couple years left.
2: Bill, before we let you go, what's your bold prediction for the mm-hmm. 2023 NFL season?
0: Ooh, boy. Okay. Here's one that I don't feel good about, so that's why I know it's bold. <laughs> I'm going to say the Broncos make it to the postseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to say Denver, which was last place in the AFC West. I think they go 10-7 and 7 or 11-6. and 6. I think Sean Payton fixes The offense, I think it's not you know dominant, but this is the same guy who went, I believe, 17 and four with Teddy Bridgewater, Taysom Hill, and Jameis Winston as his starting quarterback his last three seasons in New Orleans. I think you can get Russell Wilson certainly back to that level, and then a defense that was top five before they. Uh, dealt with injuries and got exhausted by the end of December last year and really struggled the last final month of the year. I think the defense is a lot better than people give them credit for. They were the most injured team in football last year. Oh, they're already dealing with injuries at wide receiver, but think they'll be healthier on the whole in 2023. I think they're a playoff team.
2: A bold prediction from Bill Barnwell on the way out. Be sure to follow him on social media at Bill Barnwell. Check out his great work at ESPN.com. He's our ESPN NFL writer. And of course, listen to his podcast, the Bill Barnwell show podcast, Bill, thanks so much for the time. Have a good weekend. You can watch Greeny on the ESPN app. Just click on watch, look for Greeny, and enjoy. And be sure to tune in to an AL battle Saturday night as the Astros host the Yankees. Coverage begins at 6.30 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. All right, Canty, I got to get story time from you. So yesterday, Bears tight end Robert Tunyon was talking about a prank text that he got back in 2018. He got a text telling him that he was cut in the preseason. So... T- tell me, story time. I know that you pulled a prank during your days playing or you had a prank pulled on you. What was it?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, certainly I, I've had my my fair share of pranks and those experiences. But let me tell you something. If I'm Robert Tunyon, I'm finding <laughs> whoever did that and send that prank text and there's going to be some furniture moving. That's like, right. There's going to be some wrestling going on. There's going to be some smoke in the city. All of that stuff. <laughs> like I, Like, this is my livelihood. I've worked my entire life to have an opportunity to be a part of the National Football League, and then you just sent me a text saying that I was fired as a joke? Nah, this black eye that you're going to be wearing is going to be the <laughs> joke. Like, that's that's what we're going to laugh at. Like I, I, There is no world where that would be cool. Now, that being said, I was one to escalate pranks. So Ooh. I remember once upon a time, this was 2007, I was a member of the Dallas Cowboys, and one of my draft classmates, Jay Ratliff, good friend of mine to this day, he was one of the in my wedding, he decides that he wants to hide my cell phone, my wallet, and my keys from me when it came time to leave at the end of the, the workday. Mm. And so the very next day, it, it, because I got to get my lick back, Michelle, you know I'm petty, Yeah. I decided that I was not going to hide his keys or his cell phone or his wallet. I was going to hide his car from him. Oh. So I decided right after practice, before every, when everybody's going to shower up and get lunch, I decided to get his keys from his locker and drive his car onto the practice field from the player parking lot. Now, I had to take this golf cart path that, you know, you're really not supposed to drive a car on, but there's a way to kind of sneak it between the the indoor bubble and the practice field. Anyway, I found a way to drive the car onto the practice field. So when he came out of our meetings at the end of the day – He didn't know where his car was, so I left the facility. I'm home chilling. I get a call about an hour later after I get home. He says, where's my car, man? I said, have you looked everywhere? He's like, yeah, where's my car at? Stop playing. And I said, have you looked on the practice field? (laughs) And all I hear is this huge laugh. He was like, oh, you got me, dog. You got me. You got me. All right. Is it over? I asked him, is it over? He said it was over, and that was that. But I thought that was a pretty good prank
2: that is really good and I'm glad that you came out victorious when we start our new show next week should we do this to Greeny do you think that we should start some pranks internally here at ESPN Radio
1: no I would get nervous <laughs> about it because I, I don't know how Greeny would take it I don't know how Greeny would take well. it how, and I'm quite <laughs> fearful of how he would escalate it if you understand what I'm saying Michelle. so I, I don't know like it's, it's always in good fun you gotta know your personnel when you're playing those kind of jokes I would be more nervous about playing that joke on Greeny than I was Jay Ratliff for listening to Greeny the podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or watch the show through the watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also
4: available wherever you get your podcast.